Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us on the Unchurched Podcast today. I am on a solo mission here again without Sean, but he is coming back soon enough. Don't ask me for a date. He'll come back as soon as he's ready. And when he does, it's going to be a good reunion. So uh, stay tuned. I appreciate everybody's support and especially your prayers uh, as we continue to move on forward. So uh, we're going to keep doing what we do, get behind this microphone. And uh, the endeavor, of course, is to continue to drop out episodes every Sunday and Wednesday. I tell you what, you guys listening and the support and the messages, it means the world. So um, thank you for reaching out and thank you for uh sticking with us and uh keep on praying and we'll keep this thing going uh your support means the world so thanks for listening and happy recording day Hey, welcome to the Unchurched Podcast, where your hosts, Michael and Sean, discuss issues of church, life, and religion. No subject is off limits, and our honesty and humor drives our discussion. We welcome you to sit in on the conversation and laugh with us as we challenge serious things. So pour your drink, kick your feet up, and let's get started with the show. great weekend for me. Uh, I got a chance to uh, spend uh, the spend the day uh, Saturday with my oldest, Micah. We had a ton of fun. And uh, I want to tell you about that here in a moment. But first off, I want to make fun of the Olympics. I honestly haven't been watching it uh, at all. I usually do. I've been so off uh, TV. So um, we don't have cable in our house. We don't do the whole cable thing. We cut the cord um, well over a year ago. Um, And honestly, I don't miss it. I kind of, you know, when it comes down to sports and stuff like that, I'd rather go sit at the cigar lounge and watch a game, to be honest with you. I like being there with a bunch of guys. Everybody's got a fat stogie in their mouth and drinking some whiskey and having a good time, laughing and talking and, you know, one eye on the TV and, and, you know, the other eye on each other laughing, having a good time. Um, so for me, it was never a big deal, and I'm just not a big TV person anyway. That being said, we, of course, have all the streaming services like Netflix and Hulu, Disney Plus, and stuff like that. And I can watch Star Wars all day long and do my own marathon whenever I want uh, and don't even have to worry about the watching other little shows that are new or whatever. Anyway... That's us. Uh, so 
I haven't been watching any of the Olympics um, unless I'm sitting at a bar somewhere and uh, and it's on TV and I'm not listening to it, just kind of watching, spectating, barely. But last night, uh, Micah and I, what happened was we went we went golfing. So I came in town uh, just to see him for the day and uh, just to hang out with him because this month, August, is really busy and uh, we are not able to to keep our normal schedule. So this weekend, I made it a point to go over there and just stay the night and have some fun with him. So uh, I got there in the morning and we, what do we do first? Oh, first thing we did was go get lunch. And uh, we went to Brewery Vivant in Grand Rapids. And it's amazing. I think it's the first bar I ever took him to. But it's super family friendly. The whole GR town is super family friendly. Uh, when it comes down to kids, you go to breweries during the day. They all open up, you know, around noon, 11 o'clock or noon. And there's always kids there with their parents. And the parents are always day drinking. <laughs> what a town. Uh, I know it sounds bad, but who cares? Uh it's an old church and they've turned it into a brewery whatever and it's awesome they got a ton of taps they make their own stuff it's pretty cool uh, after that after we had a nice lunch and uh, I had a couple flights that were very tasty uh, we went golfing for four hours and took them to a nice golf course in Grand Rapids that was uh, our first time playing that course together and I spanked him. He always beats me in golf by a few strokes. Uh, but this time, I slaughtered him on this brand new course. And I'm, I am happy about that. You may think that I sound like a bad dad uh, spanking my kid. But you don't know. You don't know me. You don't know my story. He kicks my butt in everything. And so uh, for me to be able to beat him in golf this weekend was just magical. Uh, we had a good time. We both suck, by the way. Like, we're not professionals by any means. I, I, we can't even be considered amateurs. Uh, we are, like, beginners. Like, when we get out on the golf course, it's like we are swinging the club for the very first time ever. Uh, but that being said, whatever. It was basically the best round of golf I've had in my life. It's pretty cool. And I still sucked. Um, like, seriously, I beat him like by like 60 strokes. He played terrible. <laughs> but it was so much fun at the same time. Uh, afterwards, we went to another brewery. We went to Founders. And uh, we're sitting down. The place was absolutely packed. So crowded. Uh, and they had the Olympics on the TV, of course. And we're, we're sitting there. We're drinking our drinks. Looking at the TV, 
I, I couldn't figure out what it was. I'm watching. These guys are on the basketball court, it looks like. There's a a mini, it's, it's not a soccer goal. It, it was more like the size, just a little bit larger than a hockey goal. And a guy, a goalie there. And these guys are running around the court with this little ball in their hand. And they're knocking each other down. It was almost like rugby. But they didn't have, you know, it wasn't that big of a ball. It was a smaller ball. And these guys are just falling all over each other. It was, like, terrible. It was so uncoordinated. It just looked like a bunch of frat boys, like, wrestling over this tiny ball, trying to get it in this goal just a little bit larger than a freaking hockey net and and Micah's on his phone I'm looking at the TV and I'm like what the hell is this and and Micah is uh, I keep telling him he needs to be a sports commentator go to school for broadcasting or something and be a sports commentator because he knows everything we've watched sports together his entire life and when we're, when we're apart, he goes deep into these other sports that I never introduced him to. He just finds them interesting and he learns all about them. He's just a sports nerd. He looked up from his phone for two seconds and you with teenagers, you, you know exactly how this goes. He took one look at it. He said, oh, dad, that's handball. I said, handball. Oh, God, I knew that. I said, how is that a fucking Olympic sport? He dropped his phone and he was like, I know. It's so dumb. (laughs) (laughs) This kid loves all sports. He literally dropped his phone threw his hands on the table and was like, I know, this is so dumb. It was so funny. We laughed so hard. Uh, No clue why it's an Olympic sport, but it is what it is. And it got me to thinking. I'm sure over the last 100, you know, 20 years, 100, whatever, 120, I think like the... I can't tell you when was the first Olympic game. Alexa. Alexa. Where or when was the first Olympic game? Sorry, I don't know that. You don't know that. Alexa. What year was the first Olympic Games? The first modern Olympic Games were held in Athens, Greece. From April 6th I knew that. I knew. 1896. Okay, Alexa, stop. That's enough. Shut up, bitch. Damn. Um, Athens, Greece. 1896. All right, so there you go. So 120-something years. Um, 120-something years, the modern-day Olympic Games. First one um, in Greece, 1896. Anyway, um... So, I know over that time frame, there are some dumbass 
games that they've <laughs> that they've tried to put in the Olympics just to fill it up, right? So um, I started doing some research, and here's a few. <laughs> here's a few that I thought were very interesting. I there's this one played in the 1904 Olympics in St. Louis, Missouri. Get this called plunge for distance. <laughs> it was basically you jump in a pool and you see how far you can float without moving a muscle. You move a muscle, you're disqualified. <laughs> I know. I know. I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. Yes, this was an Olympic sport. Uh, William Dickey. Bill Dickey. Billy Dickballs. He won the gold uh, for going 19.05 meters. You got to see how far you can travel in 60 seconds. How about that? He jumped into a pool, went for 19 meters in 60 seconds, and won gold. 1904 Olympics. Isn't that great? Then there was <laughs> this other one that blows my mind. It's <laughs> solo synchronized swimming. And I'm like, okay, I'll bite. Let me look at it. Solo synchronized swimming. Now, you know, synchronized swimming, it is an Olympic sport today, right? Where you get a bunch of, you get a team of swimmers. They got to move together to the music and do whatever. Um, secret time. I actually did synchronize swimming. So, believe it or not, I know it's hard to believe, uh, but I did. Um, in high school, <laughs> I was part of the swim team, and in 10th grade, in high school, we did a, a swim performance, a synchronized swimming performance. The swim team does it every single year at Denby High School in Detroit. At least he did when I was in high school. We were three peat champs, by the way. <clears throat> but, um, yeah, we practiced for months. Uh, a choreographed dance in the water. Uh, yeah. That doesn't make me fruity. I don't care what you got to say. Anyway, how do you do a solo synchronized swimming routine? Basically, they're just swimming to the music. One person. Um, thankfully, that didn't last for too long. Uh, so in 1996, that was replaced. It's some crazy stuff. Um, God, I was looking it up earlier to see if I can find it again. Um, the French, as awesome as they are uh, back in the day in, in 1900, uh, they did croquet. And they were the only ones. It was only France. <laughs> so that those games didn't last too long. Um, there was one that I thought was so awesome. Oh, live pigeon shooting. So basically, and uh, you guys know I hunt. I'm the Black Daniel Boone. I love this stuff, right? I thought this was so cool. I think they should bring it back. 
but instead of using pigeons, well, they could use pigeons because they're, they're, uh, um, you know, pigeons, I, I think they're in the same family as like uh, rock doves where it's like open season on them. Uh, so before you bleeding heart vegans out there start talking about fucking animal cruelty, go talk to a fucking farmer who is, uh, who ends up having his whole thing of feed contaminated because of the pigeon infestation on his farm, uh, having a hard time feeding their animals because of all the pigeon poop because the pigeons come and get all the feed. Anyway, uh, live pigeon shooting. They need to bring this back. This is early 1900s. Basically, uh, guy the contestants uh the contestants are out there shooting pigeons they release a bunch of pigeons at once and the contestant has to shoot as many as he can in a row and when you miss two then you're disqualified or your your turn is over after you miss two uh two birds and so the event was uh, it was only one year, 1900 Olympics in Paris. And um, the event was won by a Belgium guy who shot 21 pigeons in a row. He won gold. So by the end of the event, there were 300 pigeons that were dead. There were over 300 pigeons dead on the field. So that's pretty cool. Um, what I don't know was what they did with the pigeons after they were all shot. Did somebody clean them up and like eat them? Cause that would be cool. Uh, they probably did and they probably just threw them away. I don't know. But if I was there, I, I, I would have been the guy like, Hey, I've got this, uh, charitable organization in Detroit. It's a big freezer that I own. And I'll be happy to take all of these birds and clean them up and uh, fill the freezer. And I'll share them, I promise. That's some good meat. If you've never had pigeon, you should try it. Anyway, so <laughs> I thought it was fun. So he and I, Micah and I, we sat there for a while, you know, just talking about stupid Olympic games. And... Uh, how some of them just make no sense at all, but hey, different cultures around the world. It is the entire world, right? All these different countries that are participating in the sporting events and, um, you know, trying to represent their countries and the best athletes from every sport from around the world. It's a very cool thing. After all of that being said, I'm still not watching it. I don't give two shits, but I still think it's cool. I, I really honestly haven't paid attention to um, to the to the Olympics since Michael Phelps lost sponsorships for smoking a bowl. <laughs> so I've been kind of checked out ever since then. Uh, and actually, me and Sean were talking tonight, just catching up and uh, cracking jokes about Simone Biles, who had a. Uh, a mental breakdown and wasn't able to perform but hey there's a lot of guys that know all about a mental breakdown and not being able to perform 
Ew. Not me, though. So, anyway, uh, I, I want to talk a little bit more about my weekend with my son. We had such a good time. Uh, and we, like I said, we golfed. We had a blast. The first nine, he hung tough with me. I I only beat him on the first nine by a little bit. You know, it wasn't much. Uh, I probably had like six six or eight strokes over him um, on the front nine. The back nine, though, we were just exhausted, and we got beat up by the sun so much. It was so humid. It was cloudy. It wasn't really all that sunny. But it was super humid. And, you know, you know about humidity. It just kind of like, it just makes everything so sticky or whatever, you know. Uh, God, that sounds dirty. Uh, it was super sticky out. You know, we were just sweating our asses off and trying to stay hydrated the whole time. We had a cart, so we didn't have to walk the course, of course. But we did 18. And it was a whole lot of fun. But the second, uh, the, the back half, the back nine, he's super competitive. I, I know he gets it from me, but... It, he is so competitive. He gets so mad and so attitudinal when he's losing. It's you can't even be mad at the kid because he starts, you know, he gets real quiet. <laughs> I don't know if you ever seen somebody get frustrated on the golf course, but everybody does. I mean, even the best golfers get frustrated on the golf course. I, I, I've got a buddy of mine that I smoke cigars with. Whenever we golf together, like I've seen this guy throw a $300 club in the woods. Just angry because he, you know, botched a shot. I, he just, he'll literally throw his club. <laughs> and it's the funniest thing in the world. Because you got this grown ass man who should be able to control his emotions while he's playing a game. Throwing a club. Okay. Swearing like a sailor. Mad as hell. I can't believe this stupid fucking course. Da 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 da. <laughs> it is so funny. Uh, obviously, Micah doesn't go that far. But. To me, and I didn't help. I'm laughing my ass off when he picks up his uh, his wedge and he, he just wants to do a short shot. You know, he's he's going to knock it 50 yards and he grabs a wedge. And then he goes to swing. And I know many of you have done this. And he underestimates it and brings the club down too quick, too sharp, and ends up just hitting dirt. Grass flies everywhere. He gets frustrated. He picks up his club. He slams it on the ground. He hits the ground. And I'm like, hey, buddy, it's all right. It's all right. Just take your time. He does it again. Whacks up a bunch more grass. It's like, slow down, buddy. And it, he turns around, looks at me, and he says, I am. I <laughs> am. 
he gets so frustrated. And so I'll stop. I'll stop trying to coach him. Stop trying to get him to control his emotions and then just let him do what he's got to do. He's he's about to turn 14. Testosterone is going crazy right now. He's got hair on his legs. He's got hair on his arms. He's got hair underneath his nose. And uh, his voice is getting deeper. He's almost as tall as me. And he's uh, he's a growing, growing boy, growing teenager. And uh, he's still trying to manage his anger. And his testosterone level is just making him, turning him into a man. <laughs> it's difficult to deal with. We had a ton of fun. I want that to be stressed. We had a ton of fun. But there was also a lot of managing his emotions, letting him express himself, but also checking him when he got disrespectful or, you know, whatever. Get, he gets out of tone. He needs a reality check from dad. The dad will still knock his ass out if he ain't careful. You know, stuff like that. Still having discipline, but still allowing him to express himself and be and to explore his emotions and stuff like that. Um, I've heard it said, you know, some people say that, you know, that having toddlers, which I have one. Max is almost two. Having toddlers was hard. And that, you know, it's hard fighting over, you know, getting them off of pacifiers, getting them to sleep on a regular time, uh, getting them potty trained and all of these developmental steps that you got to go through. It's hard doing all of that. But once you have a teenager, you wish you had those days where all you had to do was worry about a pacifier and potty training. Because having a teenager is so difficult. Um, you know, other people have said, like, you know, it's 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 tough having a teenager. Uh, and the only thing that helps you get through it is remembering that you were once one. Right. And, and that's <laughs> that's that's something that I keep in mind as I'm parenting my teenager that I was once one and I remember being at his age and being at the stage where he's at where he wants to be alone and he wants to be with you he wants to talk then he doesn't want to talk you know he's hungry but he doesn't want to eat everything is no fine, you know, short answers. <laughs> you know, I read, I read this quote earlier. It said, you don't have to ever worry about, um, teenagers going out because they all do the same thing. Nothing. Every answer is nothing. Hey buddy, what are you doing today? Nothing. Well, what do you want to do today? Nothing. What do you want to eat? Nothing. <laughs> it's, 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 it's these 
short answers is just like the most respectful way possible they can say leave me the fuck alone get out of my face let me play video games on my phone or on the playstation or xbox just give me my space you know with toddlers like with max it's like man i'd love for him to just fucking go to bed and take a three-hour nap in the middle of the day like come on go to sleep i think i told you guys about the book that we have it's called go the fuck to sleep it's a great book by the way if you don't have it you should buy it and um it's a great read it's a very very good read um as a matter of fact i think (laughs) one day one day i'll read it i'll read it and put it out there and uh (laughs) <laughs> it'll just be like a, a bonus episode one day I'll just read that book go the fuck to sleep it's great and then you'll have it and you can give it to your or you can let your kids listen to it and I'll read your kid bedtime stories it'll be fun trust me it'll be fun anyway um, you know it's like even if just for an hour just go to sleep go to sleep Max give me an hour to myself so that I can take a shit and eat some lunch and take a shower. Cause I, you know, of course I got to take a shower after I take every shit. Um, but with teenagers, it's totally opposite. You know, they want to fucking stay in the, at least my kid, maybe your kid's different. He wants to stay in his room all day long or, you know, stay in the basement all day long, playing the video game or watching TV all day long. And I'd love to just have an hour, just undivided attention, just to be able to connect, you know. So I was thinking about it, you know, I'm just like, God, you know, this is difficult, right? It's so difficult having, you know, two kids with this humongous age gap of 11 years. Uh, 12 years actually. So Michael will be 14 at the end of the month. And two weeks after, three weeks after, Max will be two. So it's 12 years between the two of them. And it's a hard, it's a hard, uh, it's a hard gap to deal with. Cause I want to sit there and watch a shoot 'em up movie, you know, with the 14 year old. But then the two year old, wants to sit on my lap and and read brown bear brown bear what do you see (laughs) Uh, we're sitting there trying to watch star wars and max brings me a book where's Maisie? is she in the tree nope not here is she in the barn nope not here knock knock who's there it's Maisie, you know, it's just, and Micah's looking at me like, dude, can we please just watch Star Wars? <laughs> it's hard to balance it out. It really is. It's tough. Um, but it's the, it's the greatest job that a man can have is to be a father. I think in my opinion, um, 
But I don't know. Let me just look for this quote. Um, I, so I found this quote and I wanted to share it and I wanted to bring out a further thought. Raising a teenager is hard, and I don't know who wrote this, but it's here, whatever. Raisingteenstoday.com if you want to look it up. When you're a parent, you look for these resources to help you, right? Because the way my parents did it, my parents are very simple people. They're just like, yeah, you know, we taught you what we knew. And that was it. And you... <laughs> It's like, hey, how do you do this? Hey, you know, you just do it. These were simple back then. It wasn't internet. It wasn't, hey, you couldn't fucking Google something and say, how do you do this? No, you learned from the previous generation. It's like we're trying to get Max off of uh, pacifiers, right? We're working through this. It's hell. It's hell, literally hell on earth. You take the pacifier away and he screams at you and Ah, 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 and rolls his head back and jumps out of your arms and you know it's like give me that pacifier buddy and he's like he comes at me and just swats my hand like no bad daddy <laughs> it's <laughs> it's fucked up <laughs> it's so much shit oh my god the tantrums are out of this fucking world but back in the day, it was very simple. You wanted to take the pacifier away from the baby, you clipped it. Took some scissors, you knock off the bulb, and then give them back the pacifier. They put it in their mouths, they get nothing from it, they give it right back to you. Like, take this shit away. And then you're done. Well, it's a little bit different these days. I don't know, maybe it's the same thing. We're about to do it, though. Tomorrow. Honestly. Wife and I talked about it. We're going to go ahead and clip the pacifier and get him off of it. Doctor said that if we don't do it, his teeth are going to come in funky. So we got to do it. Anyway. Um, oh, raising a teenager is hard. <laughs> but being a teenager is hard too. Which is why your kids need someone they trust to lean on. To come to for advice. And, uh, I'm sorry, I'm looking at this, uh, oh, shoot. All right, there we go. I was looking at the, uh, the bar on the recording here. All right, uh, see, this is why I need Sean to keep me on track. My brain is like going a thousand miles a second. Being Okay, I'll start over. Being a teenager is hard, too, which is why your kids need someone they trust to lean on, to come to for advice, to share their lives, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Having a front row seat in our kids' lives is a far better place to be than sitting on the highest bleacher. So I'm looking at that, and I, I, I've been thinking about this about how important it is to just be present and to to be there to to uh to console to uh, to consult to um you know to be a, a shoulder for them to cry on someone to lean on and depend on 
obviously, I mean, the dependence is, is quite natural, right? Parent to child. Um, but being present is the hard part and, and being, being there to, to be understanding and gracious is even harder, uh, especially in today's age. Our kids today are, are so far more advanced um, with technology and, you know, just shit going on, opportunities that are there, opportunities for them to, uh, with sports and just people and friends and internet and just, uh, it's just so much stuff, right? that that goes into their developmental process that we didn't have access to that didn't exist if you will uh, when we were coming up definitely times were more simpler um i i think the 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 most important thing at least from my aspect is from my perspective is is being present and putting in effort, even when it seems so hard and so difficult, and sometimes it feels like it's, uh, you know, the kindness goes on deaf ears, if you will. I don't know a better way to say it. That's just the way it came out. Um, like the effort that you're putting in is is unappreciated, but. As I said, I, 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 I can look back and see myself at his age and see how I acted and, and how I was as well. And I can understand that it's just a developmental phase. And that's just the way kids work, right? They go through phases. The terminology for babies now is leaps. They go through these different developmental leaps. And that doesn't stop, right? Uh, no matter how old the kids are, if they're still kids, they're still going through developmental leaps. Chemicals are still washing over their brains. They're getting smarter. They're getting sharper. Their memory is getting stronger. Uh, muscle recognition, on and on and on. They're maturing. They're growing. And I think a big key is to never forget that they're still growing and still developing. And it's important to never treat them as if they are already fully developed. I read a, a quote earlier that said, I'm trying to do my job to prepare my life, my, my, my teenager for life and the things to come but it's, be- it's very hard to do when they already know everything. <laughs> because that's what it seems like, you know? Like my kid was yelling back at me as I'm like, keep your head down, slow down. You're okay, you got this, buddy. He snaps back at me and says, I know. <laughs> they already know everything, right? But they don't obviously um and we still have to be there to teach um anyway the more i thought about the weekend and just my 
process of the way I do things, just trying to appreciate um, the time that I had with him as I'm hugging him goodbye Saturday night. Uh, I gave him a hug and a kiss and I said, thank you so much for spending the day with me. I enjoyed it so much. I had so much fun with you today. Thank you so much for hanging out with me today. Now, I, I drove three hours. I, I spent all the money <laughs> buying food and golf. We went to the golf store. I bought him a new glove. And, uh, you know, I bought his clubs. I bought all of his balls and his tees and, and just everything. Doesn't matter what I did. What mattered to me was that we had the time together. And even though we had our tiffs where he was frustrated with me because I was talking too much or trying to be too helpful, <laughs> I'm being annoying, you know, trying to get him to just have fun. Being a temple, typical parent, just trying too hard because I'm not perfect. At the end of the day, I'm still like, thank you, son, for spending time with me. That was so awesome. I had so much fun. My heart was so full at the end of the day, just being able to hang out with him and have fun. So I make that parallel with God. You know, I was thinking about my relationship with God, thinking about how possibly I don't know the mind of God. All I know is what scripture tells me. And I know what I feel in my heart or in my spirit, man, from my relationship that's based on faith with him. And I think to myself that if I have that kind of appreciation of the time that I have with my son, my natural son, who I don't see every day, you know, I only see him on the weekends and it's not even every weekend. I try to maximize all the time that I can with him. How much more does God appreciate time with us? I mean, think about it. A typical Christian is going to, uh, you know, maybe pray an hour a day or something like that, you know, maybe less, maybe more. Depends on where you're at, right? How much does God appreciate that time? Maybe you only spend about an hour a week praying, reading your Bible, whatever. And here's the kicker, right? When we start talking about relationship with God, the most typical Christian thing to do is to put it in terms of praying and reading your Bible. But I've talked about uh, Brother Lawrence, who was the subject of the book, The Practice of the Presence of God. How... That book completely broadened my 
understanding of what it means to have a relationship with God. It broadened my understanding of what experience with God can be, how it doesn't have to be regulated to um, a specific prayer time or a time of study or even time of service in church. Like it, those are very small aspects or small slices of the whole pie as far as I'm concerned. So like my relationship with my son is not just being able to talk on the phone for five minutes in a day. That that's not what, but that is not an apt description of, or that's not an apt uh, measurement of the intimacy of my relationship with my son. Being able to talk to him on the phone for five minutes a day. Honestly, if that's all that we had, that wouldn't be enough to constitute a relationship. Right? I mean, it, just think of it in these terms. Um, if all we did was come together and have dinner once a month or twice a month, that would not be an apt measurement of the intimacy or the closeness of the relationship. It has to be more than that. So for us to say, oh yeah, I've got a good relationship with God. I pray for an hour a day. Or I pray a half an hour and I read my Bible for a half an hour. Well, if you think that that is an indication of a healthy relationship with God, you're missing it. You're missing a strong... The relationship that you have with God can be so much deeper if you were willing and able to broaden your definition of relationship. So what was great about that book, The Practice of the Presence of God, is that it was actually more about constant communication, constant communion with God, an ever-present awareness of his intimacy with God, of his need of his presence, of the requirement of feeling close to him all day long amidst every single chore that he had to do that day, amidst every conversation that he's had with other people. An ever-present awareness of the closeness of God, that he's near to him. That defined Brother Lawrence's relationship with God. My wife and I talk all the time. We text all day long. It gets kind of annoying, but she'll be in the basement and I'll be in the kitchen and then she'll text me. <laughs> Sometimes I get annoyed and I'm just like, damn it, will you just walk up the stairs and just talk to me face to face? Uh, 
But even with that, I have to recognize that our level of intimacy that we have requires constant pulse checks and check-ins. How you doing? What are you up to today? What's going on? Being a part of each other's day every single day is a vital aspect of our intimacy. Being able to check in with each other and, and even if it's just for a moment, many different moments throughout the day, it's, it's a practice of being present with one another and being able to just have a moment to relate even if it's just as simple as me coming down to the basement where she's at and just walking up to her from behind, giving her a kiss on the cheek. She stands up, we'll hug for a minute and just talk. I told you guys before, I'm an expert hugger. It's what I do. We'll just hug, talk for a minute while she's in my arms. I'll kiss her forehead, kiss her cheek get a heart on and say, all right, I love you and go back upstairs. You know, intimacy is so much greater than, you know, just one thing. You can't just define it by one thing. Um, and, and I, I believe that relationship with God is the same way. I truly believe that if all you do is go to church on a Sunday or a Wednesday night, and you pay your tithes and you, you know, listen to the worship music and lift your hands. If you think that that defines your relationship with God, you're sadly mistaken, in my opinion. And I think the same thing when it comes down to, to kids or to marriage. If you think that just like going out with your wife once a week to a nice dinner, just the two of you equals intimacy in your marriage, I think that you are sadly mistaken. If you just, you know, talk to your kid on the phone, <laughs> in my case, if I just talk to Mike on the phone for five minutes a day, and I think that that equals intimacy with him or relationship with him, I'm sadly mistaken. It's so much greater than that. But all of that being said, I think the, um, the, the culmination of the weekend for me, recognizing my appreciation for the time that I spent with my son, I think that the way that God feels about us is so much greater, so much more purity, so much more intimacy and as a deeper understanding or concept of love than what we could ever imagine. Even if all you did was that Sunday worship or that Wednesday worship service, if all you did was pray for, for an hour or a half an hour and read your Bible for a half an hour a day, I still think that God would take that, excuse me, would take that as, I, I guess essentially what I'm trying to say is that 
the same appreciation that I had for that time with my son this weekend, I think God would take even less from us and be overjoyed. I think that his level of love for us and his level of adoration of us as his children is so much greater than what we could ever have for our kids to where you don't have to worry about disappointing him. You don't have to worry about hurting his heart because you didn't pray today or because you skipped church on Sunday or because you no longer go to church at all. I think relationship with God is so much deeper than what we think that it is. That just the very fact that we profess faith in him and faith in his son. The faith in the sacrifice of the cross that Jesus made for us. Our faith in him. I think speaks so much louder volume to God than what we could ever know. I believe that he really does appreciate every ounce of time that we give and every ounce of effort that we give into building relationship with him. And the more I think about it, the more I want to give more. The more I think about how little I give God and how much he appreciates the little that I give him, it makes me want to give him more. Understanding that my capacity to know the love of God is so small, but his capacity to give is so great it makes me want to love him more. It makes me want to spend more time with him. It makes me want to include God in my day and in my conversations with people and in my work, in the chores that I do, as I'm washing dishes, as I'm cleaning up dog shit outside. makes me want to commune with him more. I want to include God more and more into my life and into my everyday dealings with life because I know it pleases his heart that much more. And I honestly believe that that is a huge part of maturity. I'm a firm believer that, you know, because I came back around. When I was Micah's age, I fell away from my parents. I pushed away. I did the typical teenager thing. I did my own thing. I wanted to just be with my friends and run away as far as I could. But as I got older and I realized that no matter how far away I ran from my parents, my parents stayed consistent in their love for me, that they never wavered in how they felt about me, that they They still adored me. They were still proud of me for my accomplishments. They were still in love with me as their son. How much more is God in that same respect? How much more God? No matter how far we push away from him, no matter how far we run away from him, 
he still loves us. He still cares for us. He still provides for us, still makes way for us, still blesses us and keeps us and, and just on and on and on. He does all that he does for us out of love, no matter what we do. Romans 5 tells us that when we were yet in sin, in our furthest place away from God, Jesus still died for us. Paul had this realization that off of Jesus' words, like the sin was so great, the gift had to be greater than the sin. The, 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 the very nature of our sin was so atrocious to God. His answer for that sin was to give a gift of love that would be greater than the sin. Because relationship with us was so important. And I'm telling you that the... The longer I'm a father and the more I deal with my sons, the greater revelation I get of the love of God, the more of the parallels I see of his unconditional love for us. I mean, my sons can be assholes. (laughs) They just flat out can be. I'll pick my son up to give him a kiss and he'll swing on me. Max, he'll swing on me. And I'm like, dude, why are you swinging on me? Well, probably because he saw me and Micah playing around swinging on each other. It's not because I beat my wife because I don't. But he's probably seen me and Micah wrestling or whatever or fighting. He just, he wants to hit. You try to take that pacifier, he's going to slap your hand down like you're doing something naughty. And I'd do anything for him. Because I love him so much. My wife can yell at me and call me an asshole. And I'd still do anything for her because I love her that much. Um, man. How much more God would do for us. Despite our behavior. Despite our shortcomings and faults and it's just the stupid shit that we say and think and do all of that stuff being besides the point his love for us never wavers the well of his love never runs dry and the more you realize this and the more you are able to uh, understand the depth of his love. You you won't get there, right? You'll never be able to get to the bottom. I bet you can't hit bottom. Hey yo. Uh, it should, if you are a true disciple of Jesus Christ, it should cause you to love him more. And I guess that's where I, that's that's the point that I want to bring home as I close this episode down. I've 
talked about this scripture before over and over again. The woman washes Jesus' feet with her tears, dries it with her hair. Peter and the other folks at the table in the room, they're amazed. Like Jesus is supposed to be this great prophet. He should know the kind of woman that's touching him right now. He shouldn't be letting her touch him. Jesus said to Peter, he said, look, I walked into your house. You haven't washed my feet. But since I've sat down, this woman has not ceased to wash my feet with her tears and dry them with her hair. You didn't give me any water from my feet. And, and you know, just to, to nerd out for one second, it was customary in the Jewish uh, culture at that time when you walked into someone's home especially someone as well to do uh, as they were there were servants that were there that would wash your feet for you you would sit down there was a chair at the door you walk in there's a chair there you sit down the servant would come pour water over your feet dry them off and then you can walk into the house that was customary it is the same thing like my shoe Nazi wife. When you walk into the house, she politely asks you to take your shoes off. Okay. They would do foot washing. But anyway, Peter said, hey, if, uh, uh, or the man says, uh, you know, if he was a prophet, he would know the kind of woman that was doing this. And, uh, Jesus turned to Peter and said, you know, these things. And he said, uh, her sins, which are many, are forgiven because she's loved much. For he who loves much, for he who is, or he or she who was for, forgiven for much will love much. In other words, he was saying that when you have a revelation of how much you've actually been forgiven by God. It sparks you to love him and to love others that much more. When you realize your own faults, your own shortcomings, and how much God still loves you despite all of them, it's easier to show love and compassion to other people. When you've been shown so much grace, the empathy just becomes so much easier for other people because you recognize that you are receiving a level of grace, mercy, and love that you could never deserve and that you could never earn. It's given to you freely because that's the God that we serve. That's the faith that we have. That's what Christianity is about. It's about loving the unlovable. It's for caring for those who are selfish. <laughs> it's, it's loving those who reject you. It's dying for those who you love. So, yeah. I'm going to put an end to it right there. All right. Uh, I hope this was helpful. I hope you enjoyed it.
And uh, I hope above all that you keep on listening and like and share us uh, wherever you're following us. And we appreciate it so much. Um, You guys are awesome. And your attention means the world to us. And so we're going to keep this podcast going and keep doing what we're doing. Um, Not only do we love it, but we appreciate all the support. So. All right. Check us out at unchurchpodcast.show. And our email and Instagram is there at unchurchpod. Like I said, give us a share. Give us a like. Drop us a comment. And we appreciate it. Until next time, we love you a long time. Peace.